Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. One of the things that we can learn from the life of Gideon is that God will reward faith. Even the smallest seed of faith in him, if you're willing to put your faith and trust in him, he says, I will diligently reward you for that. And here we have the story of Gideon, who is weak in faith at the beginning and wants test after test with the fleece and being it wet and not wet. He wants his faith constantly reassured and God comes to him again and again and again. And in the end, we see a man of great faith. And God took that little seed of faith and helped it along and caused it to grow until we see a man of great faith who took an army of very small number against this massive Midianite army and in the dead of night defeats them all. I mean, this is a great story of faith. And it's a great example of how we, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, first of all, he's going to save you. But as a Christian, step out in faith and walk with him by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And God rewards those who diligently seek him. And God rewards faith. And Gideon is that great example. But Gideon is also an example of a person who went beyond what God commanded him. And he went further than the Lord wanted and the Lord allowed. And instead of walking in faith, Gideon steps out in disobedience and causes others to fall down with him. And today's story is a great example and a great story of this simple truth. Obey God. Obey Jesus. He created the universe. He created the world. And we may not totally understand his ways or what he wants, but if we trust his word, and if we trust what we know, that's all that he requires. Jesus talks about, if you love me, he tells his disciples, keep my commandments. That's all he asks. Man, if Gideon had heard of that advice or, or knew that, and the book of Judges is full of men and women who did things that were right in their own eyes. And instead of following what they knew the commandments of the Lord were, they did what was right in their own eyes. And they were far from the temple. They were far from the Torah. And Gideon is an example of that. Well, Gideon and his men won the battle for the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they chased the Midianite army and the Midianite army fled 
in fear and tried to get away from Gideon and Gideon chased them all the way down. And then he blows his horn and he calls the men of Ephraim to block their passage south to stop them crossing that Transjordan River. And so the men of Ephraim do that and they capture two of the big kings of the Midianites. These two kings were named Oreb and Zeb. And Oreb literally means raven and Zeb literally means wolf. So they captured Prince Raven and Prince Wolf and the men of Ephraim whack, chopped off their heads and brought them to Gideon as some sort of prize saying, look, look what we have done for you. And Gideon says, yes, and they pursued the Midianites even further across the Jordan. And by the way, the Ephraimites were not too happy. And they said to Gideon, hey, you know what? Why weren't we involved in this battle? You called all the other tribes. You called all these other men to your aid to fight these Midianites. Why didn't you call us? And Ephraim started to get upset. And there could have been some major intertribal warfare there because Ephraim had a lot of men. And Gideon, his army was not that big. But Gideon, in a spot of wisdom, He tells Ephraim, I was wrong for not inviting you, and I am so sorry. You know, the Bible talks about how a gentle answer turns away wrath. And instead of getting all in their face saying, you know what, I did call you, and where were you, and you didn't follow, and it's not my fault, and he's in the middle of this fierce battle, but Gideon is wise enough to say, look at the heads that you brought, Horeb and Zeb, wow, Thank you so much for stopping them heading south. And what have I been able to do in comparison to you? And it says that the anger of the men of Ephraim was subdued. It subsided. It went away. Smart move by Gideon, you know? Sometimes we want to answer anger with anger. But Gideon knew at this point, even though this seems unjust, Be smarter to answer with kindness and softness. Because I've still got a battle to win. And so Gideon heads on east and he crosses the Jordan River. And there's 300 of his men with him at this point. They've just defeated Orb and Zeb, well the men of Ephraim have. And they're crossing the Jordan River and they are hungry. Man, they are starving. And they didn't have a lot of goods or food brought with them. They were hoping that along the way, the people of Israel would come to their aid and give them food. Because, hey, we're beating the Midianites. We're chasing the Midianites out of the country. Give us food. And, of course, you'd think that would just make natural sense. Well, they come to this town called Succoth. And they go to the men of Succoth and they say, hey, please give us some food to eat. Give us some loaves of bread. Give us some water. We're exhausted and we've got to pursue these Midianites. 15,000 of the Midianite army still existed, still was out there. And they could come back. Gideon's only got 300 men. And they go to the men of Succoth and they say, please give us some food to eat. And you know what the men of Succoth do? They say, we're not going to help you. When you bring the hands of the leaders 
of the Midianites, who, by the way, these princes who were still leading the Midianites were called Zeba and Zalmunna. When you bring their hands to us, then we're going to give your army some bread. What? Here, Gideon is doing a good thing. He's helping the people of Succoth. He's pushing the Midianites out of the land of Israel. And they're too scared to help. They're chicken. They're afraid. And they're thinking, man, if I help you, if I give you bread, and you lose to Zeba and Zalmunna, then they're going to come back and kill us. Remember I said Gideon had great faith? Well, Succoth, they had no faith. Gideon looks at them, and he says, I will come back, and I'm going to give you the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna. And I'm going to give you, when they are in my hand, <laughs> when I have Zeba and Zalmunna under control, I am going to come back to the town of Succoth, and I'm going to find the nastiest briars. And I'm going to cut off this branch with the nastiest thorns off of the thorniest trees that I can find in the wilderness and the nastiest briars in the wilderness, and then I'm going to put them all together and wrap them into some sort of whip, and I will come up here and I am going to whip your backs with it. He says, I will flail your flesh. What he means by that is my men are starving. We have to fight these men. You're too chicken to help us. Well, when we win, I'm going to take those thorns, and I'm going to whip you till it hurts. Till you start to lose some flesh off your bones. That's how mad you make us. So they carry on chasing after Zeba and Zalmunna and his 15,000 men. And they're heading east. They come to a town called Penuel and they ask him the same thing. Hey, please give us some food. We're starving. It is hard to fight when you're starving and thirsting. And the men of Penuel say, uh-uh-uh. Just like Succoth. No faith. No trust in God. And just like the men of Succoth, Gideon says, When we win, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to break down your large tower. I guess Penuel was a known town that had a large tower. He says, I'm going to come back here and destroy that tower. So they head out and they pursue them and they are starving. But you know what? God is with them. And it doesn't go into the battle very much, but the men of the Midianites under Zeba and Zalmunna, east of the Jordan River there, and it says they're, they're dwelling and they're probably getting ready to circle back and to fight Gideon. Because remember, he's only got 300 men. By now, maybe they've realized this was a small force. We got hoodwinked in the middle of the night with our dreams and, and all the light. And, you know, we can get these men. And maybe they're about to do that when Gideon, out of nowhere, comes down and surprises them. And it says again in verse 12 of Judges chapter 8 that they were thrown into a panic. And the Midianite army was routed. 15,000 men was routed again by Gideon. 
The men of Succoth and the men of Penuel showed no faith, but Gideon showed great faith, and God fought on their behalf. And the Midianite army was routed, and Zeba and Zelmuna were captured. And then Gideon, he heads back. The Midianite army completely routed. And Gideon, he's thinking, glory to God, all joy to God, thank you, Yahweh. No, Gideon, in many ways, I think this might be the start of his descent into things he shouldn't. I think this might be a sign of him going beyond what God wants, because on his mind is Succoth and Penuel. It says as he heads back, as he as he heads into the into the hill country, he captures a young man of Succoth and he interrogates him. And he wants the names of all the elders and the officials of the town of Succoth. And and the man of Succoth under interrogation, this young boy gives them all seventy-seven names of the seventy-seven men who are the officials and elders of Succoth. So Gideon comes back with his army, totally victorious, with Zeba and Zalmunna in tow, and he doesn't give them their hands, no. But he grabs those 77 men, and he brings them over, and he says, Behold, Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me. You want to give us bread? Well, he took the elders, the 77 men, He took thorns of the wilderness, it says, and briars, and he wrapped them in together into a, to like a whip. And it says in Judges chapter 8, all it says in Judges chapter 8, verse 16, that he took these thorns and he taught the men of Succoth a lesson. Now what that means is basically he whipped them and he whipped them. It's, it's like he gave them a major spanking, but this was painful. And he humiliated them. And then he went on with Zeba and Zalmunna to Penuel. And there it says simply, he tore down the tower. But there again, I wonder if he took a step more than he should have. It says he tore down the tower of Penuel. And then he killed the men of the city. He didn't just teach them a lesson. He didn't just whip them. Killed the men of the city. Now maybe he was right in doing this. You know, Maybe the men of Penuel in particular were showing we're not only not with Israel by not giving you food. We're, we're going to be sort of with the Midianites. Maybe they gave away their allegiance and maybe they were saying we are with the Midianites, not with Israel. And so Gideon had a right to kill them because these men might rise up and fight him and carry on the whole Midianite oppression. All I know is you see Gideon here, he's whipping the men of Succoth, he's killing the men of Penuel, and I don't know, you see an enraged, angry, furious Gideon. Because the next thing he does is he brings Zeba and Zalmunna in front of him. And he says to Zeba and Zalmunna, where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? 
Now, that's an interesting thing because in Israel, they have this place called Mount Tabor. And I guess during some of the Midianite oppression, we're not exactly certain what Gideon was referencing here, but years earlier, Zeba and Zalmunna, when the Midianites were in charge and powerful and holding Israel, I guess took some men and just killed them for no reason. And some of those men that were killed were Gideon's brothers. And Gideon, this time, he had a right. Based on the book of Deuteronomy, based on the book of Numbers, he had a right to a blood vengeance. He had a right to avenge his brother's deaths. And so he asked them, where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? And they said, we killed them all because they resembled a king. And Gideon says, if you had let them live, not just my brothers, but if you had let all those men live, maybe beat them up, whipped them like I did the men of Succoth. If you had punished them, fine. If you had hurt them, fine. But if you had let them live, maybe I would not kill you. But since you didn't, again, based on blood vengeance out of the book of Deuteronomy and Numbers, I, I have to avenge their blood. It seems like he's back home at this point because his family's around him and, and he goes to his firstborn son, Jether, and he says, Hey, Jether, I want you to rise and kill Zeba and Zalmunna. See, that would have been a great dishonor for them. To die in battle was an honor, but to be killed by a woman or a young boy, to be defeated by somebody like that in battle, what a dishonor. And Gideon wanted to rub that in and to make them into great laughing stock. So he offers the, the privilege of killing these men to his firstborn, but Jether, he shakes his head. You know, maybe Gideon put the sword in his hand and says, you can kill him, you can do it. And he tells him, don't be afraid. But Jether, it says, he was afraid. I think it'd be a scary thing for a young boy to, to be in that position. Zeb and Zalmunna, they don't want this dishonor. They look at Gideon and they say, rise and kill us yourself. For as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and whack killed Zeba and Zalmunna. It says he took the ornaments, the crescent ornaments, off the necks of their camels. That was a sign of victory, of spoils of war. These were expensive things that used to be owned by Zeba and Zalmunna, but now belong to Gideon. And I can imagine the men of Israel standing around him, yay! blowing their trumpet. Maybe they pick up Jeth, Jether, and put him on his shoulders. And, you know, this is my son. This is my family. They are excited. And then the men of Israel, they all gather around Gideon and his family, and they say, please, Gideon, rule over us. You be our king. Man, if you rule over us, then your your son who's on your shoulders, Jether, and they high five him, he'll rule, and then and then his grandson, please rule over us. 
Man, that would have been so tempting. It's interesting how the story, Gideon does good, and then I think he does a little wrong, and then he does good again, and here he does good because he says, no, I can't be your king. You know why I can't be your king? Because Yahweh, we are a nation of priests. God is our ruler. And Gideon literally says, the Lord will rule over you, not me. Yahweh, he's our king. You know, the people of Israel, they want to be like the nations around them. And all the nations around them all have a king. But Israel's unique. They're led by their God. What a fantastic, joyous way to live. They don't realize the, the benefit and, and the joy of not having a king who's going to tax you and take your sons into the army. And Gideon rightly rejects it, keeps his pride in check, and says, No, the Lord will rule over you. Yes, all right. But then Gideon says... This is where I think he goes wrong again. He says, let me just make a request. I want everybody to give me the earrings from his spoil. Just the earrings, just the gold earrings. That's all I want. Now, I guess the Midianites, here they're called the Ishmaelites, but they were from that same tribal range of people. They often wore gold earrings in battle and for fashion, and so they were known for that. And so here... All the men said, we will gladly give you all the gold earrings we have in spoil. They got, they got to keep the rest of the stuff that they took in battle, but we'll give you the gold earrings. And so they threw them on the ground there. And it says that the weight of the golden earrings that Gideon requested came to 1,700 shekels. You know how heavy that is? 43 pounds. 43 pounds of gold. Do you know how much that is? Man, that would be expensive. Man, that's a lot of gold. That's a lot of wonderful gold given to Gideon. So Gideon, he takes that gold. And he had all these crescent ornaments and pendants and purple garments. And, and, and he gathers them all. Then he took that 43 pounds of gold. Gideon took it to somebody who melted it all down. And it says that Gideon had someone create out of that gold a beautiful ephod. E-P-H-O-D. A beautiful ephod. Now an ephod was something that was worn by the priest. And an ephod was a way for the priest to discern the will of God. It was a gold chest piece that he would wear over his shoulders and it would come down over his chest about to the middle of his front there. And on this beautiful gold ephod with various stones in it, he would have a bag. And out of that bag, he would then pull these other stones and he would then use those stones to throw on the ground to discern God's will. He would ask God a question and throw it on the ground. And depending on how the stones rolled out, God would say, yes, no, maybe, wait, whatever. But this beautiful ephod was a way for the priest to discern the will of God. Now, why did Gideon make one of those? I mean, he wasn't a priest. At this point, the temple 
was in the town of Shiloh. And the town of Shiloh was in the district of Ephraim, was in that region. And some people think maybe Gideon, in an attempt to make sure Ephraim, where the temple was, didn't take all the political power in Israel, decided to make for himself an ephod so that he could say, hey, you know what? The power resides here. I'm a priest before God now. I can stand and talk to God now. Remember I said, you've got to obey God, but you can't go further than that. Gideon obeyed God in pushing out the Midianites, but now I think he's claiming things for himself and claiming things for himself in the name of Yahweh that should not be because it says that Gideon made this ephod. And he put it on display in his hometown of Ophrah, O-P-H-R-A-H. He puts it on display in the town so everybody can see it. And I think Gideon is maybe trying to control the political nuances of Israel. Or or maybe he's trying to honestly be a priest before God. I think he has good intentions. But the book of Judges says when he puts that ephod on display in his hometown Bad things happened. Very bad things happened. It says literally in the book of Judges chapter 8, verse 27, that when he put that on display, all of Israel whored after it there. In other words, they used it as a form of idol worship. Because God said, I want you to be my people. I love you. You're my people. And God said, I'm your husband. You're my wife. That's this relationship we have. But the men of Israel and the women of Israel and the people of Israel, they left their true love. And they began to worship this this ephod. They began to use it as an idol. And man, it caused the heart of Israel and the people of Israel, their hearts, instead of loving God with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their mind, they instead began to love this idol, this ephod, this thing made by man. And it says it became a snare to the people of Israel. And it also became a snare to Gideon and his family. Maybe they started charging money for people to come and worship it. Maybe they started worshiping it themselves. It became a hook, a snare. Gideon and his family started to spiral downwards. Because remember, Gideon said, I will not be your king. But the problem was, is Gideon started acting like a king. He wasn't their king officially, but the land of Israel had rest for 40 years. Yay, that is good. But then Gideon, he started to bring in other wives. And he had 70 sons through his multiple many wives, which goes against the Bible. The Bible says one man, one woman for life. And here Gideon had multiple wife after wife after wife, and he had 70 sons through him. Then it says he had a concubine, which is a woman who he treats as his wife, though he never marries her. 
and she lived in Shechem with her mom and dad, it seems, and he would come and visit her, and they would hang out together, and again, he treated her like his wife, though they, he never married her, and this concubine in Shechem bore him a son, and that son's name was Abimelech. And Abimelech, the name that the concubine gave to Gideon's son means my father is king. That's what Abimelech's name means. So yeah, Gideon was not officially the king of Israel, but when you're king, you get many wives, which Gideon did. When you're king, you have lots and lots of sons, 70 plus, which Gideon did. When you're king, you have concubines in various places and have children with them, which Gideon did. So Gideon was never officially king, but he acted like a king. Like I said, Gideon did so much good, but Gideon is a flawed person. And at the end of his life, Gideon... Though he lived by faith and fought the Midianites and the land had rest for 40 years, Gideon also set up an ephod and started to help his people go down, spiraling downward, further into apostasy. And it says, as soon as Gideon dies, as soon as he dies, the people of Israel started pursuing the Baals again. And they built a god that means Baal Bareth, which literally means Baal, which means Lord. And, and, and the word Bareth means covenant. So they're supposed to have a covenant with Yahweh. And instead they create the minute Gideon dies, Baal Bareth, the Lord, or Baal is the covenant, or Baal of my covenant. They forgot what God had just done for them. And they created their own religion and they created their own God. And they started, they, they, they merged this God named L-E-L and they merged it with Baal. And they created this Lord covenant thing. And they totally abandoned Yahweh, who was supposed to be their God. They went after other gods and they gave themselves over to them. And it says in verse 34, they did not remember Yahweh their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. They forgot that God was the one who gave Gideon victory in battle, and that this was the God who had given them victory on every side. And then on top of that, it's a sad chapter. Chapter 8 ends with the fact the people of Israel, they didn't show steadfast love to the family of Gideon. And in return for all the good that Gideon had done for the people of Israel, they completely forgot. They forgot Gideon, but more importantly, they forgot Yahweh. How could they do this? How did this happen so fast? Now remember I told you, Gideon had a son named Abimelech. And Abimelech, he didn't forget. Abimelech, he had a plan. He was going to bring glory to himself and hopefully glory to Israel. And you know what that plan was? 
Well, if you come back next week, we'll hear about the story of Abimelech, the next judge mentioned in the book of Judges. But I just want to encourage you today. This story ends on a sad note. People abandoning their God and forgetting all the blessings he had given them. And I just pray that is not said of us. And I pray we remember our God and we thank him every day for the great blessings of food, of shelter, of a loving family. I pray we're thankful people. Paul in the New Testament says to pray with thanksgiving. And secondly, I pray we obey God and do what is right. And we live by faith and we don't get caught up in the flesh and who we are and pride. And we don't go beyond what God wants to try to prove ourselves. And then and then we end up letting our pride make us think better than ourselves than we should. May all the glory go to God and may we be faithful, obedient people to what the word of God says. Man, I pray that is said of me and I pray that is said of all the listeners of Bald Head Bible. And I'll see you next week to find out what happens to Israel And who is this Abimelech? Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.